Hello and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast, where we take a snapshot of the current sporting world. Today's episode is made possible by Beckin, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist. Here is your host, Max Becker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we are joined by Boston Celtic scout, Dennis Makovicius, and former NBL Brisbane Bullet, Leigh Jecker. Welcome, boys. What's up, Maxie? Thanks, Maxie. Um, so first of all, Dennis, what was it like playing college basketball in the US, in the USA? Uh, it was honestly the uh, best time of my life, really, because it was, uh, you felt, you felt, uh, you felt the campus life, you felt the campus vibe, and the, the, the basketball was, was different to European basketball because it was more, more athletic, more physical, more more um, aggressive, but I adapted to it, and uh, I specialized as a shooter. So they found they found a good you know good place for me there to to uh, get some minutes, and uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing that. I was I was really uh, it was a culture shock a little bit in the beginning, but um, the atmosphere was good. The, the guys were great, and I found some friends for life there too. So it's, it was really 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 good overall experience because it was a small college too yeah. and it was really, yeah. it was a fa- family environment uh what college did you go to arkansas monticello it was a small division two college in uh, southeast arkansas and and uh we traveled we traveled not too far like west memphis part was the furthest we traveled it was not a big conference um how did you become the assistant coach of the lithuania national team um so I was before that um, the coach that hired me to the national team. He hired me in Moscow to to work in, at Seska. So he already knew me that uh, that as a, as a scout, and he needed a scout when he went to Moscow, and he needed also a scout when he went to the national team two years later. Yeah. So he um, he naturally gravitated towards me. He trusted me and and hired me in to to be uh, on the staff. So at first I was I was a video scout, and then gradually um like i was still on the bench but my my responsibilities were knowing the opponents and knowing the playbook preparing video for the guys and 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 the scouting reports so i was uh i was that was that was the the foot in the door i guess what was the type of play structure there like was it like like a fast pace like sort of structure or did you try and go for like a three two or something like that uh you mean the 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 the, the the play structure for the national yeah. team yeah yeah the play structure uh, it was very um, well it was based on the defense a lot, a lot you know we had to we had to really to defend in order to be able to run so we got you know we were just disciplined on defense and physical but uh, once we got in the half court it was very structured very um, very uh, not not low not slow pace. It was actually really executing the place very fast, but it was uh, not much room for for uh, for improvisation. Like everything, like was straight to the point and and uh, um, tactical. Yeah. And if you, Maxi, if I could just jump in. Yeah. If you, attacking the team. Oh, sorry, Bettis. Uh, attacking the weaknesses usually and and going straight to the to the weak spots of the of the opponent. That's usually. Um, the base for uh, European basketball. Yeah, and I was going to say um, that many clubs across Europe um, watch game tape of the Lithuanian national team. 
because um, yeah. they set probably the best example, one of the best examples in Europe of how to how to move the ball, how to help each other on defense, and they're really um, structured and one of the most effective teams in Europe. And everyone, they're, 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 they set the standard for all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, unselfish basketball was probably one of the traits that we have. Uh, what do you do as the assistant coach? Is it hard or is it stressful? Um, it's a lot of pressure uh, for, the, for being on the staff for the Lithuanian national team because the expectations are high. Um, historically, it's always, you know, you always try to you reach for the medals. Um, although we're we're not always the favorite, but uh, as an underdog, it's 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 just as difficult because back home everybody expects it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. on the international stage, there's like Spain and France are usually more higher favorites, but it's still um, a lot of pressure involved. And you know, in practices, it's very physical, very intense, just because everybody's very competitive. So all the all the players know what's at stake. Uh, because nobody lose, wants to lose face um, when they come back after the championships. They want to come back um, with their heads high. And that's what everybody, like the, the, the national team camps are very, very physical and, and uh, strenuous because we, we prepare like five to six weeks before the championships. Mm-hmm. And uh, what other teams do just four weeks or, or even less, we do five to six usually and um yeah it's it's also it's a professional attitude and the coaches that worked at the national team and they also have worked at bigger clubs uh and they say that no that nobody works as hard as lithuanians do in a, in a, a national team camp just because it's everybody's so um they feel the pressure on, on on their back so that's that's why they're preparing the right way yeah how do you get your players ready for like big competitions like the FIBA world cup and the olympics um, we we do uh, usually like I said six weeks, but we do the first two weeks uh, a lot of conditioning. Uh, every coach mm-hmm. is different. Every coach had a, had a different uh, style of, of preparation, but um, the the most the most the one we had most success with was uh, when we had like two weeks of uh, really hard um, conditioning and and uh, running outside on a track and and lifting lifting weights, preparing like you're preparing for a long season. Yes. And managing managing the cycles so that you peak at the right time, and uh, once we start going into friendlies, we start to manage the, t- the the playing times a little bit more, and we start to manage the the practices. Um, usually, it's three day on, one day off, or half a day off, depending on like how how um, how this week is going. Um, yeah. And we try to play usually up to ten. 10 11 friendly games before the championship starts so we can you can uh, warm up and get to know each other better and then uh, once we go into the championships uh, we don't arrive at the best shape um, we usually arrive uh, we usually try to peak at the stage when it matters so we're, we're uh, it's it's a it's a cycle that you know you're you're risking a lot but it also if, if the risk pays off you're in the best shape while everybody else is going down during the championships you're going up Mm-hmm. and, and uh, physically, and, and that's that's usually what brought us the most success. What players that have been in the NBA or are in the NBA have you coached at Lithuania? Um, oh, let's say I hope I don't forget anybody. Uh, in Lithuania, we had Kleza, uh, we had Motiunas, Valanchunas, Damantas Sabonis, um, Kuzminskas, 
Uh, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say uh, Sabonis? Yeah, yeah Dementis. Yeah. So um, I think I think these are the um, the main the main guys that were in, uh, in the NBA as well. Yes, Kevichis. Yeah, I didn't coach Jesse Kevichis. Oh, okay. Uh, tell me about when you realized that you wanted to get into coaching and scouting, and how did you prepare for this? Um, it was bl- kind of a blessing in disguise, um, just because I didn't plan on it. <laughs> I, planned, <laughs> I planned to be a pro basketball player for a long time, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way because of weird uh, follow-up injuries. From because I had yeah. I had knee injuries in college, and then I had follow-up injuries related to that uh, when I was a pro uh, that Lee had mentioned before, and. Um, yeah, it was it was it turned it turned me into an assistant um, just by 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 accident, and uh, it was very frustrating to be an assistant because you actually wanted to play and you 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 knew things that were going wrong. I was going off in timeout. I was going off. <laughs> Lee, Lee knows my frustrations at that time. Yeah, Bennis lost his call a number of times. Stepped in front of his dad, who was the head coach, and just took over the, the timeout. Sometimes he was so frustrated because no, no one was hustling or this or that. So that was interesting. Yeah, it's good. Were you were you there? Were you there when I when I lost it with um in the in the time I lost it a couple times in the timeout. I was definitely there when you lost it. Yeah, I don't know which which one you're talking about. Um, I was, I mean, there was several times. There was one time in practice, I threw the scouting reports into a player's faces. And it was, I mean, I was, I was just, uh, it was, it was honestly, it was not the right way to act. Um, not, not professional anyways, but it was, um, it was very genuine. It was very, uh, it was my sincere emotions just because you feel like you, you, uh, you pour your heart, heart out and you expect the same thing from, from the, from, from the guys, you know, just, that's what everybody's kind of, um, you know, supposed to do. That's so, right. Yeah. And Bennis, sorry, Bennis, just to cut you off there, Bennis played with his heart on his sleeve. So you talk about a guy who, when he, if he scored, his emotions ran high. So you can, you can bet your bottom dollar the, the next possession on defense he was slapping both hands on the floor before his opponent was dribbling back over half court on defense. <laughs> uh, so sometimes he'd get frustrated with the coaching and then he'd be like, I'm feel, I'm starting to feel good, I'm feeling good. And he remembers all this stuff that's not happening and players not doing things. And then come Wednesday or Thursday, he, he, he straps on the on the boots and he um, he gets on the court and he, he shows shows those players a few lessons in, in hustle and how to shoot it. So that was, that was always good when he got back on the court for training uh, when he was an assistant coach, which he did a fair bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Benis. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the shout-out, Lee. I, I, I did uh, – I did take. Uh, I did love to take charges. So whenever I took a charge, it took my emotions <laughs> to another level. <laughs> I, I, I do remember. I do remember also being gassed in the second quarter just because I, I ran out of. Uh, ga- I ran out of uh, gas in the in the warm ups. <laughs> <laughs> if a good song came on, he was done for the rest of the game. Gas yeah. tank. You can count on me in the first quarter. The second quarter was kind of down, a little bit downtime. So I was back in the third quarter, and the fourth quarter I was scrambling for for air. But uh, it took me um, to be an assistant. Uh, it took I, it took me a couple of years to realize and and learn by it. And then once uh, once I got the call to go to Moscow to be a scout and uh, be in a coaching staff to prepare the guys and and gather. Um, 
get prepared the video and the scout reports, I I saw a different level of uh, professionalism, and that kind of you know it, it intrigued me even more because you, you, it was like an army. Honestly, it was army army structure, and I like that kind of structure just because it keeps everybody accountable. It's everybody has uh, it's discipline, and um, despite despite the players getting you know paid a lot, they still are professionals and committed to their to their trade so it was it was a uh, eye-opening and from there that point on i just went kind of um yeah i i enjoyed being on that route but then yeah being a, being a scout for the celtics is a different route so after after three and a half years this opportunity came around and uh um i took a different route just because i thought it was time uh we have a question from a listener luca all right i've got a question how and why did you become a scout for basketball? Um, yeah, I like I said, like it was it was uh, just my 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 injuries that took me to that uh, to that route, you know, and uh, I had to somehow learn along the way to become better at it, and then it it took me from one stage to another, and eventually I got an opportunity to work for the Celtics just because um, I got I was dedicated enough to 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 continue to get better. How did you get to where you are now? Venice is like the scout of one of, of the Celtics. Um, I was uh, I w- at that time. I was working for for Moscow. And I was in a, at a summer competition uh, under 18s at the 18 Euro, Euro European Championships, and um, there was a there was a lot of scouts there, and uh, I was there without any kind of. Uh, Tesco shirt or anything I was just kind of taking notes and watching the players and one and uh, he said he was from the Celtics and um, it was actually uh, like he was position so I was I was pretty intrigued we stayed in touch and uh, eventually a position opened up that fit my description and he kind of felt comfortable honestly I don't think it was my my knowledge of the game as much as it was my my personality because in this job personality matters a lot you have to be able to meet people you have to be able to talk to people the right way and and know your place and things like that so uh it probably was a combination of things but that weighed a lot on it and um they hired me they gave me from Mm -hmm. the three three year contract from the from the get-go and that was very very um yeah intriguing and i felt like it was time to move on and Lee actually, actually Lee was in Moscow when I had to make the decision, and uh, Lee Lee gave me the perfect advice because I had the chance to to stay there or go, and Lee said whatever whatever uh, decision you make, it's not gonna be the wrong one. So like e- either 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 way you go is the right route. So uh, he was right. Uh, what does your daily life look like now? What sort of routines do you have, and what do you do? Um, it depends. It depends a lot uh, on the, on my schedule. Let's. I have two different two different types of routines uh, depending of if I'm on a road or if I'm at home. If I'm at home, the week usually starts on Tuesdays um, because Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's international competition going on, uh, lower tiers. Thursday, Friday is higher tiers competitions. Um, uh, Euroleague is the highest one, and. Uh, I'm 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 watching a lot of a lot of that you know Euroleague, Euro Cup, which is a second tier competition in Europe. So that those 
those leagues are uh, Tuesday through Friday, and on the weekends usually there is domestic leagues that I watch a lot. And uh, uh, in, in the mornings I usually uh, watch uh, other other clips from other games and catch up on a, mm-hmm. on some on some box scores, write yeah. some emails, make some calls. And uh, on the weekends I watch the domestic leagues if I'm interested in some. Uh, if there's some lo- locally happening. Uh, while I'm in Berlin, for example, I go to some games in 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 in, in the German league. Um, on on Monday, it's usually a little bit slower day, so because there's less basketball happening. Some leagues have still domestic games. Uh, some leagues are off on Monday, so it's basically a catch-up day or an off, like mentally off day, because you need those two. And if if I'm if I'm on a road, uh, it's usually. Uh, Taxi, airport, <laughs> flight, taxi back to the hotel, hotel to the gym, gym back to hotel, maybe have a dinner with somebody um, of the staff or or, um, or a player or something just to just to um, yeah network a little bit. And then the next day you're on a road again, either back home or to the next place. You can be on a road for one week or 10 days or you can be at home for a week or less. You know? So that's my basic routine. Uh, we've got a question from another listener, Oscar. Hi, Bennis. My question is, what do you mostly look for in a player while scouting them? Um, it's it's the first um, the first impression that a player makes on you is through his uh, physical tools. You know, you look you look uh, at the basic things: if uh, what how tall is he, how big is he, is he strong, how long how long is he, like his arms. You know, like is the wingspan long enough? Is he stubby? Um, uh, you you look at his athleticism and his lateral speed. Or his, for bigs, you look if his feet are quick enough, you know, to be able to um, move on defense. So you look a lot of the, those physical advantages or disadvantages that a player may have at the next level. And then you go into a skill set. You know, you see what he what he really likes to do and what he does good on the court, and you kind of go see how he's like. You 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 have to understand the context of. Yeah. what the player is uh, what team player is playing on if he's getting the opportunity or if he's not getting the opportunity because that matters a lot as well and does the coach have him on a short leash or doesn't does he let him go too much you know like is that the freedom that he's not going to have on the next level is he is the role compatible to what he's going to play at the next level you're trying to yeah. put all those all those things together into the picture into one puzzle basically and and at the end you're projecting of how the player may look in uh, you know, four years down the line, which is pretty hard to do. You know, it's it's not an easy easy projection because a lot of factors go into that. So you look you look basically for those things, and then you're trying to uh, make an opinion. Also, at the end, you're you're trying to gather up information about the player, about his background. Is he a hard worker? Does he do the right things on the court? Does is he is he a good teammate? The guys like playing with them. You know, like a whole bunch of information that's important yeah. to know when you're investing into a player. What do you do in this time of COVID nineteen when all basketball is cancelled and there's nobody to scout? Um, you're basically catching up, or you're watching. Uh, like I don't get to watch college a lot during the year. I watch some college big games uh, on Mondays, for example. Like I mentioned, that's a slower day. Um, then I. Uh, now I'm watching a whole bunch of NCA players uh, from different conferences, and because I have to rank the college players according also to uh, together with the European players, and then make sure 
which one I like better, you know, which one I yeah. think is I have a better future. So for me, it's important to know the the college players just as much as the European players, yeah. because because they are the main the main the main players that you have to uh, rank, and then I have to see where the Europeans fit in, you know. I heard that you're in the draft room on NBA draft day. Is draft day a stressful time for you? And take us inside what you do on draft day. Well, on all the work has been done before draft day. So for me, it's not as stressful as for, for our um, top, top executives uh, because they have to know, they have to prepare and know the cap as well as like the roster buildup of how it's going to shape up to be. So, uh, Danny, Danny Ainge, and, and the rest of them have have the, the the most pressure on them. I basically I'm in a draft room, observing everything and listening, and just being ready when you're called upon to 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 have an opinion on which player uh, you prefer in t- when it comes to Europeans or international players. Let's say because there's also some some other players from uh, other other uh, continents. So I'm. I just basically have to be ready with the work that I've already done, and then um, just have my words have my words uh, uh, ready. I hear that you're also into your coffee. Where does Melbourne coffee rank for you? <laughs> I wonder where you heard that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> unless you unless you search for them through my Instagram, you better. Search. <laughs> um, not. Uh, Actually, Melbourne is probably by like hands down the number one spot in the world in in terms of coffee. I was hoping uh, for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was um, I was on the street almost every. What's the street called again? Um, Queen. Oh, was a Queen. Uh, right, the Parallel I Street. Can't remember. Uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, one of the streets, one of the main, one of the streets in the city where all the yeah. cafes are. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm gonna find it right now because I'm, okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I cannot, I cannot leave without. Uh, if you get a, a if, if you get a Benis's Instagram, he, he most of his time spent postings on rating cafes and how good their <laughs> coffee is and if they got good Wi-Fi and the rest of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 it comes in, in ebbs and flows, you know. When I'm when I'm not like when I'm off and not doing any basketball, I get into these these things and I just get deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and then <laughs> once once I get back out of it, I uh, I snap out of it and it's like other things on um, on on Instagram. But it's it's Flinders Lane or Fly- Flinders, right? Flinders, Flinders Lane. Lane, that's it. Yeah. yeah, Flinders Lane has has a lot of lot of really really good cafes and i did actually a coffee tour while i was there and because everybody canceled that day i was the only one that was left and i just got a private private coffee tour around <laughs> melbourne that day it was it was a it was a dream come true and then then there was um uh i i booked a a, a coffee a barista course in in melbourne on elizabeth street and uh it turned out to be that day turned out to be the international day of coffee. So I didn't even know that when I booked it. <laughs> it was just really basically a, just a dream come true in Melbourne that week when I was there in terms of coffee. So I, I, uh, I, I like my, I like my uh, Ethiopian, uh, African coffee. So Ethiopia is the one that I prefer the most. And I, I, I advise that to everybody. 
room hazard that while playing in Cuxhaven, you made a living off Lee consistently finding you wide open for the corner three. Is this true? Man, I want to check your sources. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, like Lee, Lee can probably in, uh, interject if I'm wrong here, but um, in the, the first, I did, Lee did find me, but I don't know how the connection came that we've, we, we've kind of played off of each other really, really well um, from the get go, just because I think we both understood how to play the right way and uh, just kind of spacing because when I came in from college, we already had a full-time point guard, and Lee was the scorer, basically. Like, Lee, Lee was averaging around 20 points every year, and um, more or less. I mean, it was, I think it was around 20 when I came. And Lee, Lee was used to scoring, but the guys, the defenses were also, you know, used to him, and they knew him, and they like, were helping, uh, guarding him really hard and helping, helping off us. So that would, I just had to move to the right space and, and just sit and wait for him to make the pass. So it gave me good time to prepare for the shot. And the corner three was the most, uh, like the, 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 for me, it was the easiest shot. And I love the corner, corner three. I, I did make a living off that. And, uh, I wish, I, I wish we could have played for a couple more years. I think we would have, would have helped each other there quite well. Cause when Lee came back, when Lee came back and I was coaching already, uh, Lee came back as a point guard, and Lee Lee was the, the the starting point guard and you know distributed more than he than he did before, and that's when I wish I really would have played with him because that would have probably made made uh, made you know maybe maybe would have brought me even a better contract the year after. <laughs> <laughs> I think Venice averaged about. 15 or 18 or something like that, and um, I, th- I think it was 15, and uh, that that means I averaged minimum five assists um, for that season <laughs> as well because every one of my assists was to Bennis, I think. <laughs> uh, Lee liked to l- l- throw lobs as well. We had we had a big guy that uh, even the year before I got there, like Lee was like they had a more athletic team. I think that, yeah. that those years so. Um, yeah, Lee, Lee, Lee finds if he doesn't have a shot, he'll find the right pass. What was it like playing with Lee and then coaching him? Um, like playing, like I said, we played uh, off of each other really nicely, and we had a we had a good team that was a cohesive unit, let's say. And and um, with Lee, we got along off the court really well. That made it easier on the court, and and the connection was easy. I could see. There was some because uh, Lee came from a uh, from a bigger program. He came from from Brisbane. He came from NBL. Like he saw professional basketball at a higher level, you know. And and um, it was frustrating for Lee at times. You could tell that it was it was difficult to hold it in because we were all young. We were all emotional at that time, and uh, that made us sometimes uh, like on on the court. Um, you know, you had to calm each other down to to stay focused on 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 winning. Um, but then when you came back and, and and I had to coach him, you saw that he was much more mature. He saw a lot of um, he was more um, let's say emotionally emotionally intelligent than than uh, than he was before, and that was really credit to his to the, the 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 teams he played for before because he was successful at every team he played at, and we were we were. And when he came back, we were we came off a mediocre season. Um, the year before that, we we did move up, and then the year after, he we 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 were mediocre, and then yeah. Lee came back. And when Lee came back, 
he he elevated us back to the next level again and we 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 moved up again you know we moved up to the first division we got promoted again because he was like i said he was the point guard and he was distributing he was talking the right way to players he was he was um uh, precise with his with his um, analysis and and uh, the way he you know told players where to be because he was our captain as well so it was it was much easier um, at that point and um, you know, it, it, we 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 were success, the success spoke for itself. He's, he's wrapping me up there for probably too much, but um, Venice <laughs> did, did a good job of. Um, me, I get frustrated. I get frustrated a lot on the court, and Venice was the one that was able to calm me down. All they'd have to do is look at me a certain way, and I knew, all right, you know, I've got to calm down. Now we can talk about yeah. this after training or after the game. So Venice's guidance was a was a big factor. Venice, like, yeah, yes, it was. It was, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times because Lee and me, Lee, we were friends forever, you know, before that. So it was, it was, it was a little bit easier. Sometimes it was challenging. It was challenging because you carry on some of the stuff, you carry on the frustrations off the court, and then maybe you're quiet for a day or two. But uh, because my father was the coach, and my father was usually the good cop, I was the bad cop. So I had to <laughs> also say things differently. But with, with Lee, we, you know, like the thing, the challenge for coaching, the challenge or the 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 right is to commute to right uh, communication basis for each player. You cannot talk to everybody the same way, and some players, some players needed. Rough. Some players needed soft, and and uh, that's the way you know you you get through to a player and and get the best out of them. Who is the best junior player that you have scouted that is now in the NBA? Um. Well, it must be Luka Doncic that's playing for Dallas. Uh, yeah. That he played. I've been following him in in um, in in Madrid the last years before and. He was dominant on every stage that I watched him at, you know, from juniors to top EuroLeague uh, level games where he got MVPs all around. So it was not not hard to scout him. You know, it was it was basically um, basically um, just he's backing up all the all the scouts' um, opinions. So I think that's I'm not the only one who saw that. So I that was a you know, blind man could see that he can play in the NBA. Just a matter of how 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 good he's gonna do because it depends on the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, how does the NBL com- level compare to the rest of the world? Um, it's it's be honest, always hard. Be, be, be honest. um it's hard to always um you know compare different styles of play because different styles work for uh different countries differently but mbl has improved over the years mbl has got more more interest internationally uh because the players because of the players that went there also and um so i would i would say is is probably um about uh, average average european level like euro, euro cup level above average something like that um, i don't I, I maybe some teams could compete against lower level euro, euro league teams but the, the game and the size of players and the physicality um is can be challenging at times but nbl uh, has a fast pace 
and and with with their fast pace they can they can also outrun some teams over here easily so it just depends who you play against but they're definitely competitive uh, uh, all around what is because your they, fav- yeah the players the players play very hard at the NBL you could tell that they're um, they're not going to back down uh, they play with lots of lots of characters so i think that the they whoever they're going to play is going to be a close game what is your favorite australian food uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not Vegemite. Um, <laughs> um, chicken parma, maybe I don't know. It was like good choice. Parma. Good choice. Without yeah, that's good. Without without the breading, like I I would I would I I, I prefer gluten free chicken parma if that's a <laughs> bad choice. Bad <laughs> choice. <Yeah. laughs> um, but that's probably the one I remember the most that um. From, from everything I tasted. Can you tell me a bit about your first shot attempt as a professional player? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Mate, your source has got to go to jail for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be interested to hear if he gives you the true version or not. Yeah. Well, the first... Um, well, in practice, they all look good, you know, so I, I can't... <laughs> Uh, nah, that that was a that was a very entertaining entertaining moment that haunts me until this day because my floater game was not not to, <laughs> at, not at the best level at that time and it's probably still not. But I I did drive I did make an aggressive drive to the lane and I was I, I was I was so I was probably my momentum was carrying me so hard that I floated it up and it just went straight over the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> And, and because because the 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 basket is uh, the basket in our gym they hang from the roof like so we had to like they there were not no stands below the below the basket yeah. they were all above the basket and there was a whole bunch of wiring and everything so obviously when the uh, the ball went above uh, over the backboard and the ref already called out of bounds because they hit a, it hit a wire yeah. it was quiet. And you could hear the ball bounce through every single wire and the back of the backboard. And then, like, almost it almost got stuck between the wires in the back. And I was just, I was like shaking my head and, and walking back. But, you know, my emotions, uh, they, uh, I, I probably took a charge right after that. We walked, we were waiting back on D for about 15 seconds for the ball. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the true story. Uh, yeah. You didn't, you didn't, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it true that your dad, who was coach, didn't let you play in a specific pair of shoes because you slipped 29 times and went home <laughs> from sticks from downtown in a game? <laughs> oh, boy. I, I almost made myself run suicides the next practice. I told him that. Like, um, yeah, he, my dad got on me because I didn't have a backup pair. I was I was slipping uh, because the shoes were, were pretty new. They were not brand new, but they were pretty new. And I was I was really um, and we were on the road. It was a big game, tough game. And I I was I was looking good though. I was had like black black shoes, black black jerseys, but that didn't matter at all. And uh, I kept I kept I kept slipping on sliding and and uh, yeah, the 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 good looks didn't help me at all. So I, I don't I don't I don't advise for the looks. So I. Well, the the, the post game the post game talk, which went for about fifteen minutes from um, Big Willie, which is Venice's dad, um, 
was <laughs> him nose to nose with his son, Bennis, just screaming at him about his shoes. We were just all <laughs> watching. <laughs> and then the, next, the, next, the next, next training session, there was – it was all – your dad was mad at you for about three weeks after that. Ooh, he didn't want to yeah, – he, he, he was mad. He, he punished yeah. you at training that week, that whole week. He, he made you do sprints and it, it was it was funny to watch. <laughs> it wasn't funny, really. <laughs> for us, it was because of those shoes. <laughs> I don't remember – I don't remember um, – I don't remember the 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 post game speech, but I do remember the practices afterwards. I do remember because um, I had my favorite shoes were the Kobe shoes, um, Hiriachis that that I was wearing before that. They were white and red, and and I I had to get the black ones, and I got the black ones, but they were just like the the model before that. It were a different model, and they didn't fit me. Like that, it was just not right, not compatible with the with the floor we played on. It was just ridiculous. But the slips, and you know, the other, we were in that game, and the slips happened. Yeah, in crucial parts of the game. Yeah, they basically <laughs> lost us the game. They yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had a horrible game that game. It was it was terrible. It was terrible. I probably we still have that tape somewhere here. Maybe yeah, I should I should probably burn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What would be your advice to any aspiring young Australian or kid out there in the world who may want to get into coaching or scouting? Um, be diligent. Don't don't cut corners. I think being disciplined and um, believing believing in what you do, but also not being lazy to to take the short route, take the long route. Be thorough. Um, don't don't really try to cut corners in terms of um, finding a, a a smarter way to do it. It's it's yeah. not smarter like harder. Sometimes it's better than smarter because you 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 teach yourself the right things along the way. And when I prepare the reports, for example, uh, what I mean by that, like when I prepare yeah. the reports, I prepare me myself more than I do prepare the players because. At the end of the day, you're 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 watching a lot of games, and you're not showing everything to the players. You're you're kind of uh, filtering a lot of things out, so uh, a lot of things are lost along the way to the players. But the players are come up and talk to you and ask you anyway. So you're bas- you basically have to know all the things. And if you cut yep. corners and if you just take out certain clips and not really um, analyze them enough, you're not going to have the answers when they matter. So. I think you you're preparing. You have to know that you're preparing yourself above all, and then the the answers will come automatically when the players or the coaching staff ask you. And uh, I think that's what make me uh, made, made coaches made the coaches trust me more because yeah. they saw I was doing the work. And that, and I'll just jump in there and second that that I I um, witnessed Bennis um, and and the work ethic and learnt learnt off that because. At, at the time, we, we had a lot of downtime when we played together and we'd play PlayStation and we'd do all this, but Bennis didn't waste a spare minute. He was always um, being productive with his time, putting the work in. So although Bennis has been lucky enough to get some opportunities, he has earned them and obviously um, the, the proof's in the pudding is, is keeps re-signing with these big clubs now in the NBA. Um, but it started from little things like he, he would coach the – I think it was Cooks Oven under 16s or something, was it, Venice? Yeah. yeah. Under 18s. Under 18. So you'd be tired from a big road trip, and Venice would have to wake up. We might yeah. be an eight-hour eight bus trip home. 
Um, Bennis would wake up early on a Sunday to go do, on, do another five-hour road trip or whatever it was, and he'd, he'd be the first one at the bus. He'd, he'd always have to leave because he's got to go open the gym and be there for kids who wanted to get extra shots up. So whatever craft Bennis was working on, he put he, he devoted his whole his whole life yeah. to it, whether it be a course he did online with university when he was playing to when he was coaching to now when he's scouting. So that's 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 one of the things. Um, Bennis is proof that if you work hard, you maximise your opportunities. Yeah, I, th- I think I think um, the 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 essence of it is that you don't know what you're preparing yourself for until it arrives. So whenever it arrives, you just have to be ready for it. And I had yeah. when I went when I when I signed in Moscow, I I didn't know I was ready, but Lee encouraged me that he said I was ready. I think Eddie or some somebody else wrote me and said like you're you're uh if any like you're gonna be ready for that so I it I, it took me it took me some time when I went there to to believe in that but you could tell that I was I was not shy of 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 uh, if I wouldn't have prepared myself to, that way I would not have uh, stuck you know I would have not have been ready it would have been too big of a shock to my system so my system was always ready to take on take on the work uh, that was needed and that's what made you. Or may help me to stick in that level and continue to to stick, luckily. Yep. Well, thank you, boys, for being part of the Sporting Max podcast. Thank it's been you. Great Thanks having for you. Thanks for having Thanks, us, Max. Yeah. Good work, mate. No worries, and tune in for some more Sporting Max. Thank you, everybody. Joe Rogan of Australia, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and follow us on SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by Beckon, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist.